Well, we're right on that subject, aren't we, at the moment? We're, we're still very much in this subject of, um, of uh, the Holy Spirit, His presence, and of course the power of His presence as well. And uh, we're um, continuing in a series now called uh, The Promise of the Father. And uh, as Pentecostals, uh, we need to know what the promise is, um, who the promise is, because the promise of the Father is a person, amen, and uh, a divine person, the third person of the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, and of course God the Holy Spirit, he's the third person, and uh, he has a function and a role to play. Uh, and we need to know what that is and understand it and be able to draw near to God understanding uh, what that function is. Just as much as Jesus had a function and a role to play. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, John the Baptist uh, is, is called by God to prepare the way of the Lord uh, Jesus. He, he would be a key witness to the ministry of Jesus. And uh, for John, his own calling becomes his identity he sees himself through the lens of what God has called him to do and uh, and I believe that's a good lens to understand and know about you know the Jewish leadership uh, uh, send a delegation of priests and Levites to see what's going on and why is John baptizing all these people and and of course he's having sort of some success he's getting the crowds you know, the guys that are working with him are wondering, you know, is this the time for us to start a YouTube channel? You know, we've got some crowds coming along. You know, people are coming, people are getting baptised. This is exciting, you know. And um, and they sent a little delegation just to sort of see what he's got to say for himself. John the Baptist. And John chapter 1 and verse 22. And so they said to him, who are you? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John replied, in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I'm the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. John the Baptist, (laughs) and we should take note, John the Baptist said what God's word said about him. And so should we. Amen? So should we. We should discover who we are in Christ, what we've become through the new birth, what it is that we have in Christ. And you know what? When people ask things about us, we should say that. We should say what the Word says. And that should get right down to when you're not well. Are you going to say what the Word says about you? Are you going to say something else? Amen. We should. And... um, You know, the truth is, find out what God says about you in his word and see yourself through the lens of God. So important for us all to get a hold of that truth and reality. And it's amazing to recognise that the revelation that John receives about Jesus from God is, is that you'll be able to identify the Son of God by the Spirit that comes upon him. The church needs the same identity, actually. The Spirit of the Lord upon us. We need to have that identity. The people see us and get to know us and they feel that there's something different about us. You know what that's like sometimes. And they go, oh, something different about you. You know, I mean, I've had, 
uh, business business meetings, you know, when when uh, you know you're, you're pitching for work or uh, all those things, and and someone comes into you, you know, to sort of, you know, perhaps contract you, and uh, and they contact God. <laughs> it's like you know the presence that you're carrying becomes very very attractive to them. They say something about you that I like, and I'm sitting there under my breath, going, I know what it is. It's not me either, you know. I know what it is. Eh? You know that it's it's God in your life. The fact that you practice His presence by the Holy Spirit. You know the Spirit of the Lord upon us should identify us. That it would be not our sweetness or our kindness or our persuasive words. It wouldn't be that as we witness about Jesus, but the power of God in manifestation upon our lives. It's what we're talking about. The power of God. How many of you know that if you have his presence, you have his power? We talk about that, don't we? We talk about that as a church, as a sequence that we should follow. That is, if we pray, we'll receive his presence. And if we find his presence, we know we have his power. You know, he just doesn't come to float around, you know, like Casper the ghost. He doesn't just come to sort of just float about. He comes with power. And we understand that. And we've, I guess, gotten past the point of thinking that uh, something, when, when things really start happening, when people start getting out of wheelchairs and blind eyes start opening, we'll really start to have an impact on town. We've gotten past that. And realise that people walk in the door and they might even, may not even tell you, but God's already dealing with their heart. God's doing something in their life. He's bringing transformation. And we love that saying and we heard that, oh, I don't know, earlier this year, which, which just really hit the spot, which said this, is that revival is a sustained presence and power of God in manifestation. The sustained presence and power of God in manifestation. And sometimes we go looking for this, the, the absolute fantastic. And I've seen, I've seen miracles. Not last conference. Not the year, the year before that. I remember seeing a guy getting prayed for who had a hearing aid. And I remember seeing him pull it off and start to cry. Because he said it was the first time he'd been able to hear without that hearing aid. So, so good, so powerful, wonderful moment. But I'm not going to uh, live thinking that God hasn't moved until I see something like that. That was just a consequence of his presence being there and his power being there. you know. And we need to live in the reality of God's moving all the time in our lives. But you, but I, had, I, I felt a move of God in my life last night. I was laying on the lounge and I felt a move of God. How about you? You, know, you can have it just that simple. What was he doing? Well, it was just giving me joy. Really? I think that's what he was doing. He just gave me a little fresh injection of joy. And you know, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. So how did I feel afterwards? I felt strengthened, you know. And again, just again reminded of his faithfulness, just to be with me. Never forsake me. That's the spirit of God at work in our lives. That makes a difference in the lives, our lives, and also the lives of others. Amen. Well, we're just going to continue on this morning with this study, and I'm going to ask the Lord a blessing as we uh, turn to the word, John chapter 1, and in verse 32, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there, but let's pray. Father, we, we again thank you, Lord, for, the, for your word, Lord God, that the entrance of your word gives us light, Father, that we would, Lord, have a fresh revelation today of what your intention and your purpose is, Father. And Lord, for, 
for, for, for Jesus, you sent the Holy Spirit and you rose from the dead. You ascended into heaven and you sent the Holy Spirit and you have a purpose for him in the church and among our lives and in the midst of our lives and within us. And we thank you for that. We, we look today again to have our hearts stirred concerning the person and work of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. John chapter 1 and verse uh, 32, it says, And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. And uh, just another little verse, and I'll just read it to you. It's uh, Luke chapter 3 and verse 16, uh, where, where um, he also, John the Baptist, is recorded as saying, I indeed baptise you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Great one. John gets to pinpoint that the Saviour of the world was Jesus and that Jesus is the one that will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And what we've been seeing is the promise of the Father. Um, The Holy Spirit was going to be an upgrade on what we need. Amen. It's going to be the very upgrade that we need in our Christian lives that we should look for and, uh, and desire. And, of course, the reason being is so we can live a Christian life with power, you know. And whatever, you say, what power do I need? Well, whatever you need the supernatural for. I've found that I need the supernatural for many things, you know. God's power to overcome the limitations that I experience and see and and have. And we all have them, you know. Limitations of this natural world. John chapter 14 and verse 15, it says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. This is Jesus speaking. That he may may abide with you forever. He's going to be with us. He's going to stay with us. And here we see again that the usage of that word parakletos, literally meaning one called to your side, to take up together with you against. You know, he's, he's coming into our life. He's going to come alongside and he's going to take up together with you against whatever it is that you're facing. That's the Holy Spirit. That's his intention. And the best part is, as I mentioned earlier, he's not just going to fly around the room, you know. Fly around us invisibly like some kind of, you know, cartoon figure, Casper the Ghost, you know. No, we can discern him spiritually. We can discern his presence. We can have those moments where we know that his presence is, is, is beginning to, to manifest. We can have those times and seasons. And even physically, when he manifests spiritually, there's physical manifestations of that as well. And we should understand. You know, the Holy Spirit's New Testament home is not going to be here at the altar. You know, or in the prayer room. Uh, or during the worship service, as we gather on Sunday, our bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit. We understand that. The New Testament home of the Holy Spirit is going to be in us. Amen? That's the home of the Holy Spirit, 
in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. It's in us and, of course, in the church. He's going to abide with you forever. And take note, he's the spirit of truth, which means he knows the truth better than us. Amen? And I like that about the Holy Spirit. I like the way that he can, you know, you can be you know, uh, facing something that you have no idea what it is that you're facing and the Spirit of God can just come in and give you revelation and know exactly what you're facing and what it is that he sees that he knows that you need to know and he'll bring it to your attention. Praise the Lord. I love that part about the Holy Spirit. I love that revelatory ability of the Holy Spirit to show you things to come. And to lead and guide you into all what? Truth. Why? Because he's the spirit of truth. I'll go to 17. It says, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be where? In you. Amen. The Holy Spirit was known by the disciples. Jesus was anointed, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, he steps into his ministry knowing the power of the Holy Spirit. And his disciples with him for three and a half years experience it on his life. Experience the power of the Holy Spirit all the time, manifesting. And Jesus is telling them, get ready because he's not just going to be with you. He's going to be in you. You see, so close. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is the upgrade. Christians need. It's another level. You know, I think of all the dear folk that came down and got baptised on, on Sunday, uh, last Sunday uh, afternoon, down in, the, down in the, it, the surf, you know, down in the swell. You know, we had a swell time, didn't we? Um, <laughs> those who got baptised know what I'm talking about. The waves are coming. It's like, okay, just wait for it, just wait for it, right now. <laughs> Under the water we went. But, you know, um, there was just such a, a precious moment. But what God wants us to, to be is to be filled with his spirit, you know. And, um, and for those of you that got baptised, I, I, I'm just going to put a little, I'm just going to put a little invitation out to you, those that were baptised last week. There's a further step that you can take. If you haven't had it already, you should seek it. And that's to be filled with the spirit. You've been now baptised, you know, in accordance to the scripture, which talks about, you know, a, um, a, a, a consecration almost of, of your life, that, you know, you're no longer alive. You, you're now a new person. You came up out of the water as a new person. But there's a, a fullness of the Spirit that we can tap into and receive, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So you've had the baptism in water. Now you should seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit where we're filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I remember... Um, the experience of those early days and weeks as a new believer. And at the time, I got filled with the Spirit fairly quickly. I got baptised and filled with the Spirit within, you know, I think, probably a week. And, um, and you know, I had a courier business in the, in the township of, of Perth and uh, down there in the city, and I was 21 years old. And uh, I um, uh, was saved at that time. And, and, and those weeks that followed my conversion when I was between delivery jobs, um, I would normally sit there anxious waiting for my next job because I didn't want to be sitting there for too long because as you sat there quietly, you didn't, there was no work coming in and therefore there was no money coming in. So you'd sit there anxiously. But after I got saved, I didn't sit there anxiously anymore. I figured that God had this. You know, God had um, uh, this under control. 
And so, you know, whenever I stopped, I, I was kind of happy. I'd turn the radio down so they couldn't call me. <laughs> Pretend I was out of the car or something. You know why? Because I wanted to read my Bible. I wanted to sort of start, you know, just, just soaking in that word and just getting in that word. And it was so exciting to me. And, um, you know, it was like the pages of the Bible just sort of coming alive to me. And uh, I don't know if that's you or you understand that, but, um, it, you know, it, it, it was the spirit of truth witnessing the truth into my heart. And, you know, he does that. Truth bombs going off. Don't you love a good truth bomb? You know, when something from the scripture just, just go boom, and it just excites you and thrills you and, and shows you something you haven't seen before. It was just like the Holy Spirit just witnessing the truth, you know, as I continued to read. And, um, you know, we should, you know, don't ever uh, get, get um, casual with that. Always be ready for that, you know, that, that new uh, expression of, of um, uh, revelation to be, you know, given to you and have your heart open for it and ready for it. We should never lose the attraction to the truth of the word of God because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will abide for us forever, you know. You know, so in that, that 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus, we, we see and read about how Jesus is appearing among the disciples and uh, he's demonstrating that death could not hold him down. Um, classic example, the, the two men on the road to Emmaus where um, Di brought that out so, so well this morning. But, uh, you know, he's a risen Lord. It's found in no other re- uh, religion. Not just a religious figure to be commemorated, but that he now lives. You know, and that's a wow factor for us. And into this 50-day period from the Passover feast to the Jewish religion, or, or in the Jewish religion, which is the, then the, the day of Pentecost, um, or what, what was called the Jewish Feast of Weeks, okay? It was a celebratory, it was, it was uh, the giving of thanks for the harvest, and, and of course we see Jesus in this period of time between the Passover as the risen Lord and the Feast of uh, Weeks or, or the Day of Pentecost um, appearing to his disciples, giving them instruction, telling them what to do, what they should do next. And we should be paying attention because... It was instruction for the church. And um, we in our, you know, here we are in 2022, it's no different for us. As I said, I've made that invitation to people that were just baptised just this last Sunday. And even maybe some of you that are here this morning that never stopped to wait and receive the Holy Spirit as you walked out into your Christian life. So Acts chapter 1 and verse Hang on, get it going again here. Acts chapter 1 and verse 6 to 8. So when they came together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And Jesus replied, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Jesus is saying it's, it's, it, you know, that the time and season shouldn't be your focus. So what should be our focus then? I believe it's being empowered. That's what should be the focus. Look what he says in in, uh, verse 8. But you shall receive power 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Talking about the church. Talking about, you know, those called out by God. And again, we looked at it last week, that word dunamis, uh, the usage of it is physical power, a force, a might, an ability, and an efficacy, an energy, meaning powerful deeds, uh, uh, showing physical power and marvellous works. Well, here's the thing. You, you, some of us might make the mistake of thinking, well, it's all spiritual. No, no, it's physical. It's spiritual power that has a physical manifestation. You see, what's a healing? It's a physical manifestation of a supernatural power. Hallelujah. And I'm glad when it happens. I love my healing testimonies. I've got a few healing testimonies, you know, not sort of blind eyes opened or anything like that. But I know God healed me at at different times in my Christian walk. One time I had, um, believe it or not, uh, Richard Roberts, who was uh, the son of the very, very famous tent evangelist called um, uh, Oral Roberts. And, I'm, and I'd gotten to know him and uh, just by being in the leadership in the church down there in Perth and gotten to know him and I was sitting minding my own business, okay, probably about where, where um, Cassie's sitting uh, in this particular meeting and just sitting over there minding my own business and he knew me and I had the worst shoulder injury that and what it was is I'd been, I'd been um, um, uh, on catching duties and uh, had caught this whopping great big Maori man. And he was so big, and we are all been so busy because it was a healing sort of a, a, a crusade, been running around catching. And I caught this big guy, and of course, the first thing that, that gave was my shoulder. Rip! You know, and it was a very, very sore. And I'd just been on a mission trip to Uganda, and honestly, I had used so much Denkerub, and I had the high-strength Denkerub, I'd used so much Denkerub on my shoulder during that trip to Uganda that when I got back, my skin was peeling from, <laughs> from the use of Denkerub. And I'm believing God as well in that, but I'm sitting over there, and of course this injury is still very much acute, and I'm sitting over there. Richard Roberts had been going up and down the aisles preaching and teaching. And he, as he was walking past, he, he got to the corner and just kind of knowing me, just, just went like that as, as he walked past. You know, it was almost like a gesture of niceness, you know, a kind of a, hey, Pete. And I was healed instantly. Just healed instantly. And I just went like that. And, and I don't even think he knew he was doing it. But it's just that contact and just the spirit of God just moved like that. And I love those healing testimonies because it tells me there's a God in heaven and there's a spirit of God alive and well in his people. And he's at work and he'll move and he can do such things. And, um, and again, I, I continue to, to maintain that healing that uh, was given that moment at that time. So, you know, and the disciples are pulled together in this period between the Passover and Pentecost. They, they meet and pray in the upper room, and we know the story, most of us do, being Pentecostals, waiting for the promise of the Father. And God is sending something, and, and a, you know what, church, we need it. You know, the instruction is don't go out and tell people about the risen Lord until you're empowered. 
See, that you can go out with a knowledge, you can go out with an understanding. The design was that our witness, the witness of our church would be with power. You know, accompanying power. And whatever manifestation of that there is, whether it be healing or, or someone being deeply touched in their heart when you share the gospel with them, that's the power you want. The stuff that only he can do is what we want. Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. And it says there, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. How essential it is that we see that Jesus wanted us all empowered, like, you know, he had been. We saw that last week where Jesus uh, uh, got up and, in his own home church and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. You know, God wants us all anointed and empowered. Not just passionate about the reality of a risen, you know, of a risen Lord, but, and please get this. Jesus, Jesus doesn't just want us passionate and devoted. He wants us connected and powerful. Amen. You know, we can settle, you know, and some people do. They settle for being passionate and devoted. But what he wants is for us to be connected and powerful. Amen. Wait for the Holy Spirit, he said. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, I was talking to a relative uh, just the other day, this week, and and, uh, the Lord showed me how to pray for them, just in the middle of the conversation. Just dropped the revelation into my heart. Just boom, just came to me. And for the for the first time in their particular need, the Lord showed me how to pray for this particular relative. What's that? It's powerful because you could just out of your own mind think of things to say, and you know, there's nothing wrong with just praying, uh, you know, out of faith and what you know and a, and a and a good heart. It's great. Nothing wrong with it. But what's powerful is when God shows you what to pray. Watch the fruit on that, you see. You know, that word endured is often, is not really, not really often used by us, but it means to invest or endow with some gift, quality or faculty. God wants to endure us with power. And so as we turn to the, uh, you know, the page, as we go to Acts chapter 2, Uh, the event of the Holy Spirit's entrance into the church, being sent by the ascended Lord Jesus, it's with physical power. It's spiritual, but has a physical manifestation or effect. It's not the stuff of blind faith. They didn't go away from the day of Pentecost saying among themselves, we just need to, to believe, you know, we receive the Holy Spirit. We just need to believe that we've got that. You know, it was powerful. Acts chapter 2, and let's read it, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound came from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. Amen? And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Just like that. And you can imagine what it would have been like. They'd have been sitting up there in that, or sitting up in that upper room, and going, "Oh, a storm front's just come in." 
would have been all trying to look out the door or look out the window initially to see what that was. But it was like a rushing mighty wind and the Holy Spirit came and just came in among them. And as we, you know, we, 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 we know that it was a sound for their physical ears. It wasn't just something they heard in the spirit, you know. It was spiritual, but it was physical. So, you know, we need to sometimes just wake up a little bit, I think, sometimes. We think that the spiritual stuff is all out there in the invisible. No, it's physical as well, because it has a manifestation in the natural, even though it's supernatural in origin. Amen? Try to teach them things here around the Holy Ghost. They heard a sound with their physical ears. Can you imagine that? You know, that sound that was like a wind, those that were there, you know, would have been wondering where that came from. And we should remember and make note here that John the Baptist saw not only that Jesus would be the one that would baptise with the Holy Spirit, but he saw the manner that Jesus would be baptised. He saw the sign that it would be with fire, you know. And, um, and Dr. Luke here records here in Acts what happened. Fire appeared on every person. And someone says, what about tongues? Where's that come into it? Well, we should read on and see. The Bible says that when the Holy Spirit came, those that were gathered began to speak in other tongues. Languages that were not their own. I, I spoke briefly, um, and I, I've only got a few, a few more verses here to go, so, so hang in there. I spoke briefly to someone just uh, recently, um, uh, another Christian, who was clearly mistaken in their understanding of tongues. Um, hadn't understood scriptures on tongues. Uh, let me just say this. Tongues is not a second language that you know. All right? That's not tongues. And uh, it was very clear to me that that was their understanding, was that it was a, another language that they already knew, and that was their tongues. And, uh, you know, it's a language that the Lord enables us to speak. Okay? I've never learned to speak the language of angels. But the Apostle Paul taught that it was possible to speak in the tongue of angels. Look what he said. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm only ringing, I'm only a ringing gong or a clanging cymbal. And again, it's a good teaching on love is that you can have a gift, but you need to still walk in love. And if you don't walk in love, well, you're just a big noise. You know, God wants us to walk in love. And But look what it says there about the tongues of men and angels. He's saying you can speak in the tongue of men and angels. When was the last time you spoke with an angel? Well, apparently when we're speaking in tongues, we can be speaking in the language of angels. It's an unusual phenomenon, I know, and those that are uninformed need to recognise that as much as tongues is a sign of people being filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, it has an ongoing usage. Many that come to Christ as Lord and Saviour miss out on receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit that was meant to empower them. They're saved, but not empowered. And so the miraculous is just something that escapes them because the Holy Spirit hasn't been able to come in and, uh, and manifest himself fully in their life. 
And of course, the, the argument is still out there in religious circles and denominations that says that, you know, this, that the whole purpose of tongues on the day of Pentecost was so that people who were from other places could hear and understand what was going on. But we cannot conclude that if we read the rest of the Bible. We, you know, we cannot conclude that if we find the scriptures that show that that's not quite correct. And we need to be able to look at that. That was not the teaching of the Apostle Paul on speaking in other tongues. I'll just quickly go through a couple of verses. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 2 says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men. I'll say it again. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries in the spirit. And for those that have learned to pray in the spirit and to pray long and hard in the spirit, you know that you're getting out the mysteries of God when you're praying. That you're praying, in actual fact, you're praying perfect prayer. You're praying the will of God. And the ongoing usage of speaking in tongues is to build ourselves up as well, to edify ourselves. Feeling a bit low, a bit down? Well, go pray in the Holy Spirit for 30 minutes. And after you've prayed in the Spirit for 30 minutes, praying in other tongues, you'll find you'll probably want to go another 30 minutes because you feel so good. You know, you feel so much better. Amen? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, that, 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 that a capacity to pray in the Spirit just lifts you up. It's edifying. Look what he says in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 4. He says, the one who speaks in tongue edifies himself. Builds himself up, the Bible says. And then in Jude chapter 1 and verse 20, he says this, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So we see that the Holy Spirit blows into the room. It's powerful. Look what it says in, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 3. And um, out of the Amplified Version, we'll, we'll leave it on this today, but it says um, in verse 3, there appeared to them tongues resembling fire, which were being distributed among them, and they rested on each of them as each person received the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled, that is, diffused throughout their beating with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues, different languages, as the Spirit was given, giving them ability to speak out clearly and appropriately. And they were beside themselves with amazement and were greatly perplexed, saying one to another, what could this mean? But others were laughing and joking and ridiculing them, saying they're full of sweet wine and are drunk. <laughs> well, they sure got that right. The early church got their taste right here. The Lord poured in new wine. You know, he had renewed the wineskins through the new birth and now he wants to pour in the new wine. And uh, that's what happens when we're saved and born again. Our, our wineskin gets renewed. But then what he wants to do is he wants to fill us with new wine. That's the whole idea. He's not going to pour the new wine into old wineskins. It's not good. It doesn't work. Scriptures that talk about that. And we can come and drink as much as we like. We can be filled over and over again and, uh, and live our lives in expression of the Spirit. I might just ask, um, uh, instead of doing that last song, why don't we just have a little song in the background there, uh, 
Uh, thanks, uh, thanks, Brenda. You know, as we close this morning, I want to make an invitation. First of all, first and foremost, for anyone who needs to have their wine skin renewed. Okay, the you know the new birth, or what we call the new birth, is an experience where we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and of course we go through into the experience of being saved. Amen. We just come into that 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 experience of knowing Him as our Lord and Savior. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you haven't had that experience, it's a simple prayer that gets us over into it. It's called the prayer of salvation. And I just want to encourage you this morning, if you have not prayed that before, there's there's an opportunity, a time to do that right now. Um, But further to that, further to that, there's another experience that we've been talking about, and that's being filled with the Holy Spirit. Those baptism candidates that were there on Sunday, if you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, there's an opportunity here this morning to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And and what will happen biblically is you'll speak with another tongue. We've had a few people uh, the last couple of weeks, a few people in the last couple of weeks that um, have been filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues. And sometimes it's very rudimentary what, what, what happens initially. Just get a couple of words, it doesn't sort of feel very fluent. But, you know, we can get to that place where, where um, we are very fluent in our tongues. How many speak in tongues this morning? Got a few hands going. I'm not looking to see who's not putting their hands up. But I tell you what, it's great to speak in other tongues. Great to speak in your heavenly language. Great to spend time. You know, and there's, there's, there's ways that, you know, the Bible talks about praying without ceasing. I've found that you can just start praying in the Holy Ghost and, and it just becomes something that you just flow with all day long. It's praying in the Spirit. It's like you're praying out of a, um, uh, you know, out of God's perfect will as you do, as the Holy Spirit intercedes through you. It's great capacity, something that you want to do. And you watch things change. You watch things turn around all the time because you've been praying in the Spirit. So powerful. So I just want to make that invitation this uh, uh, this, um, this morning for you to um, uh, come down the front and receive um, that prayer. I'm like, Rach, why don't we do a last song as we go out? But just going to uh, take a time just to just to do this last song again. And surely goodness, God wants to um, uh, minister to those that are here this morning. If you have another prayer need, if you have a healing need, it's also a good time to come on down the front and get prayer this morning. I believe the Lord wants to minister to us again today. And um, he's so faithful and wants to show that, you know, his presence is powerful. Amen. Amen. God bless. Why don't we just go out with a song this morning? We're going to dismiss um, after this song and morning tea will be open. But we'll be praying down the front here for the folk as they they come down. Just encourage you to sort of try and keep your noise just just down to a bare minimum as as we serve food and put those tables out. But we're just going to pray for the good folk that come down for prayer this morning. God bless you. Remember, we're Pentecostals, okay? We mustn't forget that we're Pentecostal. You know, that that's, you know, the, the work that God has done in us. We're filled with the Spirit, you know, and that means that we speak in other tongues. Amen? Amen.